Hi, Joe. Hey, Michael. Do you like to talk about yourself? What makes you say that? Just a general question. Wondering about, uh... You know, I got, I got, I've gotten to thinking about people and uh, the people I care about after watching the movie we did. And I'm wondering, do you like to talk about yourself? A little. Just, just a little bit, yeah. Yeah? I mean, I would never go so far as to, like, make a podcast or anything about that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say I kind of, uh, I, I like to talk about myself a bit. What about you? Uh, I, I mean, to give a more serious answer, I think, I like to think I'm an open book, but I think I have a, I have a fear of volunteering information, because I feel like if someone doesn't ask, they don't care. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would, I would also never dare to make a whole episode of a podcast about a movie I liked. Where I only spend like an hour talking about myself and my friend. Yeah, that sounds like a really, uh, really egotistical and uh, self-centered idea. But you know what? I think we're going to roll with it. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because what movie did we watch this week, Joe? We watched Onward. Onward. Disney Pixar's Onward. Yeah. Um, And uh, it's a... It's a very personal movie to both of us, mm-hmm. which is why we're going, which is why we are going to be talking a lot about ourselves this episode, because the ultimate theme and message of the movie is about brotherhood and yeah. kind of uh, older siblings acting as parents towards younger siblings. Yeah. So, yeah, we we both were thrilled with the movie, I guess, for a bit like a bit of a, a backstory and plot summary of it. Uh, Disney Pixar's Onward was released in March in theaters for about like maybe one or two weeks until they pulled it because of the virus. Yeah. So they put it on VOD and then on Disney Plus, and that's how we were able to watch it. Yeah. Um, it's about two elvish boys. They're Halfling? elves. They're elves, which is funny because their last name, their character names are Ian and uh, Barley Lightfoot, and Lightfoot's like a reference to a mom. A halfling, actually, yeah. in D and D lore. Yeah, and that's what this movie is about. It's about a world in which D and D lore, like, is real, and then because of technology, time has sped up, and now they're kind of like living in our contemporary uh, technological time period. Mm-hmm. But um, the two main characters uh, find some magic in a way to revive their uh, dead father. Mm-hmm. But they only revive his lower half, his pants. So they have to go on a journey, hence onward, to revive him for one whole day. Yeah. Uh, and it should be noted, like, we are going to be spoiling this movie. If you can watch it, you know, use that one free week of Disney Plus Premium to just go watch it because it's really good. Uh, but we are going to be spoiling the entire thing. So please, you know, spoilers ahead. So don't worry too much. Uh, uh, we recommend the it. movie. Watch it. <laughs> So, yeah, where do we, so where do you want to start with this movie? The film, I guess the film opens with like a a big kind of uh, backstory into fantasy lore, uh, Lord of the Mm Rings-esque. You get the shots of mermaids, it's all in the trailer. We get like our foundational groundwork setting to let people know that this is probably a fantasy setting that you are familiar with, right? You know, it's very Mm -hmm. Tolkien, it's very high fantasy, You you got elves dwarves magic stuff like that dragons that and it slowly kind of shifts into it slowly shifts into like kind of what we would recognize today as like kind of modern uh modernity and like modern technology and stuff like that 
I mean, like, I'm going to talk a lot of sugar about this movie, but I do think it is strange that it's also immediately, it depicts magic as something archaic. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. normally in fantasy settings, magic is kind of seen as like the, it's, it's a substitute for technology. But in this world, magic is a thing of the past. It's something that's being forgotten because a technology exists rather than being like the metaphor for it so to say you know it's why a lot of mages are normally given like the the intellectual character archetype but Mm -hmm. here this is not the case it's actually seen as something that it's uh, it's like a it's like an older tradition that's being forgotten about and that's actually the crux of the whole movie is that the you know these these two young boys have to rediscover this they have to rediscover this magic and kind of like find this old tradition so to say to kind of like bring the spark back into their life yeah and that's when we get introduced to our two main characters of ian and barley um Mm -hmm. they lost their father when they were very young to separate the two characters ian's the younger brother he's incredibly socially anxious to -hmm. the point that he makes down he 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 writes down lists of things that he wants to accomplish within a day socially um Mm -hmm. it's very Mm -hmm. awkward and very endearing it feels like something like a middle schooler or a high schooler would do yeah um and then the older brother barley is um very loud and very obsessed with this historical magic yeah it's it's positioning the historical or the magic stuff as like this kind of uh historical he's like a historian right he's like a history buff but also like an activist of sorts he's protecting monuments to these ancient magical elements (laughs) um getting arrested for that ahead um while also embarrassing his younger brother uh, along the way. Yeah, totally. You know, normally people expect uh, the older brother to be the more mature one. And at first, it does very much appear that, like, oh, this is... Uh, I mean, this is going to kind of get into this, but, like, I do think immediately like, this idea just sets up a good dynamic between the two of them where they both kind of interweave between being the uh, the mature or, I guess, the serious one, depending on the situation. Yeah, because uh, even though Ian's not as goofy as uh, Barley is, his immaturity still shows and Barley's maturity does still kind of shine through in moments where he needs it to be. Yes. And this is in part where it gets fairly personal for me because I feel like that's my dynamic with my younger brother. Yeah. Our our maturity, like, it fluctuates. Sometimes my younger brother is the more mature one and more serious <laughs> one, depending <laughs> on the situation. Um yeah to his frustration much like ian's in the movie so i very uh especially being especially being a nerd myself participating in dungeons and dragons with you yeah i as barley does i i definitely identify with barley more <laughs> to the point that it's kind of painful but we'll get more into that later yeah so we like we kind of get like this the movie's more or less broken up into like a three-act structure your initial like plot setting and like call to action then like the road trip element and then like kind of like the final fight, which makes up kind of the later half of the movie or last third of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so for this first half, you know, you just kind of meet and you kind of just meet the boys and their and their mom and like kind of all the supporting characters in their like daily life. You get a section. This is just kind of what they do. Uh, it's Ian's birthday and he's trying to he's holding on to this idea of his father. He's specifically attached to the idea of confidence, right? He wants to be more confident. That's mm-hmm. his big thing. Yeah. And what do you think of this first part of the movie, Joe? Um, It killed me. I think Tom Holland's Holland's voice is perfect for Ian. He -hmm. knows how to really uh, accentuate that insecurity and that hesitation. 
mm-hmm. and that sensitivity. Ian is Ian is immediately likable yeah. and relatable, even mm-hmm. though I definitely identify with Barley more. Like yeah. I feel for Ian so much, and I would argue like Ian is the main character of the story. Yeah, you know he yeah. is the Ian would be the lead actor, and Barley would be the supporting actor in this case. And for me, like the hardest part is when Ian is um, listening to the cassette tape of his dad, who is just like a random recording of his father at some point. In between the pauses of his dad's speech, Ian responds as if he's pretending to speak and have a conversation himself with his dad. And it just kills me. It just kills me to see like his strong, insecure desire to really have this type of relationship. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, it's, it's funny idea that a lot of times we don't talk about confidence specifically, but we talk about confidence in kind of a uh, kind of amorphous sense that there's like nobody without there's like, you know, confidence is like this. It's kind of like how we talk about maturity, like where it's like maturity is like eventually a thing, something a character gets right. Like a character just becomes mature after they've learned this big, powerful lesson. And it's not yes. this like amorphous thing that could kind of ebb and flow. And you you go from being like a five year old one second to being, you know, back to, a, you know, a 30 year old. But I think like like his desire for confidence in this little scene, it's not just like acute, like I don't have confidence, like, oh, it's like he's actually struggling. It is definitely a testament to the writing and directing of this film mm-hmm. to really capture the minutiae of Ian's emotions through the scene and through the entire film. And speaking of that minutiae and getting to the nitty gritty of, uh, I guess, our relationship to this film is when, you know, Ian is, is destroyed that his birthday doesn't go as he planned at all. Mm-hmm. Um, his attempts at finding confidence are, are kind of thwarted mm-hmm. and unfulfilled and he's very hard on himself. And, it's to some point like that's interrupted by his brother Barley or yeah. Barley shows up at school, completely embarrasses him, mm-hmm. ruins any chance of inviting friends to like quote unquote friends to his party. There aren't people he really knows. It's just him trying to try to be cool, trying to socialize in some way. Yeah. And so like this sets up like the dynamic between Ian and Barley where Ian is constantly feeling like Barley is um, impeding upon attempts at confidence. Mm hmm and self-esteem and it comes to a head uh, a head in the first act when they receive the staff from their father yeah so it, it's a gift that their father gate father left for them once they both turned 16 ian turned 16 basically barley is like oh this is magic i know i know magic i know this shit and he in barley keeps attempting mm-hmm. and it kind of it's a downer for the entire family yeah like like a lot of kids he's embarrassed by his like earnest desire for for this thing to work right like this Mm -hmm. like he was given a you know a literally a magical staff and he like for a second in this world that's supposed to be akin to ours where magic doesn't exist anymore he really did believe in magic for a second and he was like and then he's only more let down that doesn't work until he figures out oh Ian apparently has the magical gene, so therefore he can do it and not Barley. And this is this is what, like, to me, gave, like, the hint of where the movie might be headed. Mm-hmm. Um, when, Bar- when Ian is finally performing magic and Barley steps in, and Barley, if un- under his perception, tries to help, but Ian pushes him and shoves him away. And this is where, like, the earnest, like, brother dynamic comes in. Yeah. And I kind of feel this my younger brother casey Mm because if i were to ever like try and assist him with legos which was his 
his jam, his shit, he would get frustrated. It's like, no, he, he knows what he's doing. I'm actually slowing him down. How did you feel about it, Michael? Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I think I agree with you that I think the way that Barley helps Ian, and this is kind of where the movie's headed, is very much a little bit paternal in that, like, I do like the idea that it's not a source of insecurity for Barley the entire movie that Ian can do magic and he can't. Like, he's kind of mm-hmm. just solely proud of Ian that he could do this thing. And it's because mm-hmm. Barley has been growing up in this same world where he, you know, he's very much like a like a paternal figure to Ian as well. And uh, the, it's like the, the older and older I get, the more I realize my brothers, my older brothers kind of fulfilled that same role for me growing up to the point that like, you know, when my older brother was watching and this is later, but in the the scene with the bridge, the they're at the bridge and he's making a scene, he, he like even poked, he's like, oh, that's like me and Mikey. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so yes, you could see this too. Very, very indicative of like two like brothers that grew up without like a, a stable father figure or a stable parent, yeah. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then by nature, like one or like normally uh, one of those brothers becomes another paternal figure to them. It's sweet. It's, yes. it's, 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 it's very earnest in its depiction of it. And I really like that. I was going to say, though, like their, their, their relationship starts very contentious at this point. And as you know, someone who someone who knew you, you know, we, I knew I knew Casey back then. I knew you back then. Do you think you ever embarrassed Casey when you were when he was that age? He was in high school, and you were, like, in late high school, maybe early college? Yeah, so, like, I I guess for greater context is um, we all went to the same high school together, and by the time that Michael and I were seniors, my younger brother Casey was a freshman, Um, and he would occasionally come around and hang out with us, Mm -hmm. and uh, I guess uh, I was definitely one of our, I was one of the goofier friends at the time, to say the (laughs) least. (laughs) Yeah, let's put is it that, that is way. Is that a good is that let's a good way to put it, it Michael? Let's put it that way, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a story'll come out later. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know, the time that we had uh the time that we were planning on um throwing tortillas around each other at school. We threw a cake at a fence. We did throw we did throw a cake at a fence. I stole a baseball. That was a good time. Um, I don't know. Just at, at like my yes to answer your question, Michael. I embarrass my brother very frequently. <laughs> even even like probably in times when I would go and hang around his like friends. Occasionally, you know, more often than not, Casey would come to us in our friend group and our our niche. But sometimes I would go over and visit him, and it would just. Um, I think Casey Casey could feel a little bit tense at times. Like, oh God, what is Joe going to say or do? Mm-hmm. When yeah. I just came in with like pure intentions. And that's probably, and that's like exactly how this situation plays out at school for Barley and Ian. Mm-hmm. Where Ian's like purely trying to socialize. And Barley's like trying to like, hey, my brother's having a birthday. I'm going gonna, gonna to want to, I want to celebrate that. I want to enjoy that. But he does it in like the most awkward way possible with his dumpy van that's spray painted with a unicorn on the side. Talks about throwing this really big birthday party at home with mom. <laughs> you know, like that's, mm-hmm. it's very embarrassing. That's true. And which one of us has a unicorn onesie? Me. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Hey, man, I was a brody for Halloween. It was a good time. <laughs> That's true. 
It's true. No, no offense to any bronies listening to this listening to this podcast, but yes, I was a brony for Halloween. I grew up my beard. I had a bag of Doritos. It was pretty great. Nobody else dressed up, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Yes, yeah. Never, never, never embarrassed anyone in your life. Is what you're saying? Never, not once. <laughs> not once. That never. But anyway, uh, like. This this uh so their plan their plan uh, Ian and uh, Barley's plan to to kind of uh, bring their dad back when Ian finally gets it is it doesn't work right you know he only gets ha- he only gets half because the gem cracks now actually does the gem crack because they're they because they fucked with it or is it because it, like it just wasn't enough no the spell required two gems if you look oh. at the drawing that they had the drawing mm-hmm. that they had on screen is like this gem would only do half of it they needed to get another gem to do the half of the spell. Hmm. I don't know that. Yeah. Oh, nice attention to detail. And then uh, this kind of like jumpstarts our road trip, right? Where they're like, okay, you know, we're going to, we're going to find, we're going to find this next Phoenix gem, right? So Barley kind of takes over and says, this is my niche. I know what's going on. We need to go on this quest and this journey and find this. We need to find the Phoenix gem. Um, and by going on a quest, fighting a manticore, getting a map from the manticore. And then mm-hmm. Ian reluctantly goes along with this because Ian doesn't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. it's just like you yeah. know what I, I don't have any other options sure whatever we'll go with your thing barley and then at which point ian then like because they have a pair of pants for a father mm-hmm. um which which is also really interesting like you had said off mike michael you expected this film to go in the direction of most i would say disney media where it's focused on um focused on the dad yeah like Marvel movies and stuff where it's like, oh, this is going to be a dad narrative. But they really minimize that. But because the dad doesn't have the upper half to really like effectively communicate. Um, and because the narrative is ultimately about Barley and Ian, mm-hmm. um, our form of like emotional connection and communication with the dad is through his feet yeah. and like stepping and like touching, touching feet together. <laughs> Yeah, this sounds oddly sensual to say into a mic. Um, <laughs> once again, it's Pixar working their magic of finding a way to make you care about something you didn't think you would care about. I think that what's special about it is that specifically the only thing that Barley can remember of one of the few memories he does have is of his dad's feet. So I think on like a certain level that that is just kind of like, you know, it, it's it's subtext made text where like one of the few things you can remember is like this kind of uh, this like image because they were so young. And so, like, they can't yes. really remember what he looks like other than through pictures, but they can see, you know, they, they have this definite memory of, like, his lower half. Yeah, because Barley was a small child and probably, you know, crawling around seeing mm-hmm. the feet. Yeah. 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 And also, it's just, like, it's it's probably just more fun to animate because, like, yeah. it's like, oh, you get to just show, he has to show so much expression throughout this, uh, you have to show so much animation and expression throughout this film through just just your feet or through just like you know without without verbal communication you know use the use the animated format for what it's there for right yes and on like a personal note i think that when i when i when i was younger i imagine a lot of memories of specifically i think probably probably my dad being you know and not at my eye level yeah like i think their mom in this movie is very much a very supportive and very good mom Yes. And so, like, I think the first thing that people do when they talk about the ways in which, like, some people don't know how to communicate with children is, like, the first thing people, someone who doesn't know how to do when they talk to a kid is they bend down to their level, right? Yeah. And 
a lot of and a lot of my memories with my mom when I was younger involves her doing that. You know, she she kind of like squats down to kind of like look beyond her level. I don't remember the same thing from my dad. Like I remember him always looking down at me. And then so if I look straight ahead, I'd have to either look up at him or if I was looking straight ahead or if I was getting yelled at, which I commonly was, I'd be looking at his legs. <laughs> so I don't know if that like I don't and I know that that's that's true for a lot of kids. You know, d- dads just don't make as good of a paternal figure. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. most, most of the time. Uh, I won't, I don't know if like that, that's definitely not the case. Like their dad seems like a pretty solid dad, but I wonder if that's just like kind of a choice the animators made to, to kind of illustrate that. I think it is, well, yes, it, it's, it's a very clear and intentional choice. I think if it were like, I don't know, just the upper half of their dad, mm-hmm. um, you, you would be inclined to hire a voice actor and, and give that father a character when I think the narrative demands that the father isn't there. The The father is not a character, which is a good thing. And we'll get yeah. more into that later. They're literally following in his footsteps. And so like they leave and they, they go on, you know, they go onward, they go on their quest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it, it's not a quest, but it's a quest. And they're going towards the manticore. And I'm, I, you know, we're, we'll get there in a second, but I was like, I want to ask you like, there's something interesting that I think once again, we we're talking about this in that, like the way in which they play with the roles here is that Barley's also the knowledgeable one. Like, you'd, you'd expect him from his character to be, like, the silly, stupid one. But he's also not. He's the smart... He's kind of the... He's the history buff. He's the one kind of, like, informing them, like, oh, here's, here's what this is. Here's where we're supposed to go. You know, here's the path of peril. I guess, like, how did this feel for you as, like, you know, being being the more... Kind of the more one that's more of a goofball, but also, like... Like recognizing his place as the older sibling at the same time. I, I gotta say, Michael, it felt it felt pretty fucking validating for me, honestly. <laughs> um, finally, my knowledge of Dungeons and Dragons and 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 superheroes and Pokemon and all my nerddom finally came. Like, yes, Barley is me. My knowledge is valuable. Yeah, it it, it was entertaining to watch from my perspective, it, it, and it ultimately serves the purpose of of Ian's character growth for the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, but from, I guess from a brotherly like dynamic, it is, yeah, it's, it really highlights the youth of their dynamic to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And that like, sure, his knowledge isn't about like how to file your taxes, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. like his knowledge, his knowledge is suitable for the situation that they're in and, and realistic for his state of life being that source of wisdom it, yes, it, it feels like an older brother role, and it's mm-hmm. something that I I I can feel familiar with. Mm-hmm. When occasionally, because my brother and I are now living in completely different states, um, you know, occasionally he'll call and like ask and ask for like some advice, and I'm like, oh, I, I've got some experience, sure, yeah, you know, whatever, advice, advice, advice. When asking about something else that he's interested in, it, like I I feel for this moment, I feel for this or like this type of dynamic that plays out throughout the film. What's interesting when they meet the Manticores is how Ian approaches it. It plays out like Ian's desires as he yeah. makes his checklist. And mm-hmm. that's reflected later in the third act. Mm-hmm. But like watching these scenes and thinking about them in terms of like Barley, like how does Barley help Ian achieve those goals? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that. And like, what does that say about parenting in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's hands on, but he's also hands off, right? Like he he yeah. is, he is guiding he is guiding Ian to where he needs to go, but letting Ian do his own thing. 
And mm-hmm. so, and you think that's just because, like, I think for most of the movie, you think it's just because he's the older sibling, you know, like, like it's not his place as his parent to tell him, like, what to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that's also just a good parenting thing where it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to help. I'm going to, like, steer the ship. I'm going to help you kind of do what you need to do, but I'm not going to commandeer what you do because that's too overbearing. Did you uh, ever feel this type of dynamic with your brothers? Yeah, I think with both my older brothers, uh, Kyle and Paul, like whenever we would go somewhere, you know, it normally would be the three of us. And I guess specifically the older we got, I would always like, it's like sometimes like when my, when neither of my parents could go with me somewhere, I would have to bring one of my older brothers with me. Yeah. Uh, until I got to like a certain age and they would just kind of have to watch me and kind of like, uh, I'm sure it was annoying for them. They were, they were definitely, uh, Kyle and Paul were definitely more irritable than Barley is. They were not as goofy, so to say. Well, Paul might have been. <laughs> There's a certain level of like, oh, like they they, they are involved until uh, things go wrong. And that's kind of when like Ian starts like like uh, spouting off, right? At, yes. Uh, at the, at the, um, the Manticore. The Chimera. Man- oh, sorry. The Manticore, not the Chimera. Chimera. Oh my gosh. Michael, Different monster. D&D lore right. Different monster. No. <laughs> you hack DM, you. No. roasted (laughs) uh so and also like i think it's just cute that like the first place they go is also like a chuck e cheese like area right like it's this place you go to with your family and you go to it when you're younger and they go there and it's like not only they're going there as adults but they're also kind of like they're trying to reconnect with this thing from their youth in this place that's kind of for kids but they're also seeing it in another light it's just it's it's a good set piece to kind of start off their journey. Or I guess this is probably because they already got past the gas station at this point. So, yeah, I think it's just a cool like beginning to this idea of like, oh, we're going to interweave between like youth and adulthood in this interesting way. It, it is. It is very cool to see that connection. And then the next scene, like you like you mentioned, is at uh, at the gas station. After they, after they retrieve the map, they go to the mm-hmm. gas station because they're empty. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Do you see, like, the weird, like, displacement of, like, parenting that's there? Mm-hmm. Um, in some sense, like, while, yes, Barley, th- this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where, you know, maturity, like, ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Like, if Barley is supposed to be, like, this parental figure, he should be the one getting gas, but he isn't. It's Ian. Yeah. Because, th- like, this dynamic is typically... You sit in the car while your older brother or your parents are getting gas. Maybe they'll get you a cool snack if you're not a douchebag. But instead, <laughs> instead, Barley here gets in a fight with bikers who are portrayed as pixies. <laughs> to me, to me, this, this is like this is why I like, and this is what I think the 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 special part about this is, and that it doesn't forget. And I think it, this is where the movie does some good for Ian is that like even though he is the paternal figure here, he's still a kid. He's still mm-hmm. you know barely older than Ian is. And so, mm-hmm. like, yes, Barley does create problems, even though he is the paternal one here, uh, because he's still a kid himself. And yes. so, like, you know, it's not a, per- you know, just because you are a sibling acting as a parent, so to say, mm-hmm. you are not, you are not, uh, you are not above making mistakes. If anything, you trying to do that is open to making more mistakes. Yes. And, and like, for me, my favorite part of this is when, um, <laughs> Is when the pixies get really mad and smash the bottle of glass. 
<laughs> I don't know why. It's just it's it's a cliche, dumb little gag. But just like seeing how big the gl- bottle of glass is compared <laughs> to them, and mm-hmm. how it kind of comes out of nowhere, just it like it really tickled my funny bone for some reason. Did um, you ever get Casey involved in a street brawl? In a street? Did I ever get Casey involved in a street brawl? No, not once. Not not never. <laughs> no. Um, what about you? You ever get in a fight with your brothers? Like no. you, not like with your brothers, but you and your brothers accidentally. Yeah. somehow no. find a fight yeah we, we we outsiders did you know no we no i've never gotten in a fight with my older brothers mm-hmm. i fought with my older brothers i've now i've never fought with my older brothers speaking of which that's uh that's kind of where that's this conflict between like older and younger brothers kind of plays out throughout this this like action fight sequence as they're trying to drive away from the pixies ian mm-hmm. gets his driving lesson from his older brother whether he likes it or not it's against his will yeah and i and i think how the scene really functions is just i i think it's really more of a commentary of learning how to drive and mm-hmm. that turn and like that, that scene of adolescence i think for many for many people or for many kids who are like going through that, especially myself, it's like absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. trying to go out into like an actual busy road for the first time. hundred percent. Let alone a California freeway. Yeah. It's horrifying. You know, yeah. I'm still scared of driving. I hate driving. And so, and also like, I think, you know, I think you mentioned this earlier that like they're, they're hitting all the checklists on Ian's list. Right. Yeah. And this is kind of getting back to the brothers thing where again, like we're seeing, we're seeing them do all these things. But they're not doing it like how Ian imagined it. Not only and yes. like, and you could you, maybe they could. There's like something to be said about like how even in nuclear families, which is kind of what Ian's chasing this whole time, that still doesn't articulate the way he's imagining it. But like you know, when you only have like you know your older sibling there to be to be your guide, you kind of get like the 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 shaky version of it. You kind of get yeah. your older sibling being giving you like this like kind of half baked advice because you're just like, uh. Yeah, do this. I think I remember doing something about <laughs> like this because they're trying to appear like they have it together when they don't. Because like, yes. and, also, and also just like uh, my older brother Kyle is the one who, who he was the very first person I took a driving lesson with. Really? Uh, yeah, we drove around uh, the our community college parking lot. Uh, hey, good old who, COC. Yeah, he was the very first person who who uh, taught me how to drive. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, so like this, this is like you know, once again, I'm already seeing like, and that's when I, that's when I began to think like, oh, I hope. I wish this movie. I remember thinking because I was, I was like, because I'm, I'm normally pretty skeptical about the dad stuff. Is that like, oh, I wish this movie would just kind of embrace the fact that like, like when you have when you only, when you don't have when you have an absent, uh, uh, fa- like I guess in this case a father figure. I wish this movie would embrace more the idea that your brother, your like you know your your siblings become your parents in a way, you know. Yeah. Uh, not to mention like. They have a great mom, <laughs> you know. Their mom's their <laughs> yeah. mom's great, but I'm, I'm once again I'm glad that the movie ended where it did because I remember thinking during this, I was like, oh, this is their siblings, and and Barley is acting as this. And I think that that's a another thing for us to point out is this this narrative comes from the perspective of not like the nuclear family's dead. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, Simpsons, it's over. Um, yeah, <laughs> cats out of the bag. It comes from the perspective that this is like a more modern family. Um, their father is dead. Mom mm-hmm. found a new boyfriend uh, mm-hmm. who's who is an officer named Officer Colt. Uh, <laughs> he is a centaur. This aspect of it, and that might be another dimension to why you and I connect with this so well, is that like we don't come from nuclear families. No. Um, no, bo- both our parents are separated. My dad is still very much in my life. Coming from like divorced parents, you still have that wiggle room 
Because there, there will be times where you feel like it's just you and your brothers. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So these lessons and these moments, they feel very real. Yeah. Um, especially to me. Yeah. I guess, um, like, if I, if, I were, if I were to ask you, you, I think you just said, like, what do you think is, like, a moment where you felt like, you know, as, like, kind of like the surrogate older sibling that you felt like it was very much like, oh, this is, this is, like, me and my brothers almost. Not like so much me and my brothers versus my parents, but like just it's kind of like I have yeah. to be the uh, we're a unit in some ways more than I am a unit with my parents. <laughs> and, and like this is another aspect and dimension. Um, my I, I do have an older brother, but um, he uh, he has Down syndrome, mm-hmm. um, and I understand that different people with Down syndrome um, have different like capacities in terms of, uh, of learning and socializing. But my older brother is definitely on the lower spectrum of that. He has a very difficult time speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, still is very much in his Barney, the dinosaur phase, mm-hmm. uh, as you remember, mm-hmm. Michael. Um, yeah. So there are times where I feel like um, there are times where I, uh, I was home alone, either at my mom's house or at my dad's house. And I was just taking care of him, mm-hmm. you know, Um, and I feel, you know, I, I very much feel that like caring parenting nature of like having to communicate and understand their needs and desires and what's best for them. Yeah. And thinking about them and even like, and, and even with Casey at times, if we were, if he and I were just like home alone, I'm like, all right, mom's not here. Dad's not here. How do I. Like if Casey's hungry, I guess I gotta make something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. gotta feed him somehow. I, I can try that. Thing. Sure. Um, <laughs> totally. um. So yeah, I get it. No, totally. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny they bring up cooking too. That I think there was like a specifically a night where my mom was working really late, and it was literally just three of us. I think Kyle was like twelve, Paul mm-hmm. was nine, and I was seven, and Kyle tried to make us ground beef. Uh, but, uh, you know, you don't know how seasoning works, but you know, you're supposed to put it in the food. So (laughs) he, he made ground beef and it looked like ground beef. It was very crunchy because of all the pepper and the salt. Oh my God. (laughs) It's a lot of flavor. It's a flavor overload, Mm -hmm. but I never forgot the fact that like, you know, like, you know, and it's a it's more of a silly story for us, but it does, you know, as an adult, it does hit a little bit different. I'm like, oh, because Kyle's like, I'm thinking how young 12 year olds look now as an adult. And yeah. I was like, oh, like that's not only is that like a mature thought for a 12 year old to have, but also like it's weird to have that image in my mind and think of how little we all were when that happened. They get to the uh, they get to the woods after this, right? Because they kind of argue about it. And that's when they realize, because uh, because one of the kids still filled out the the little color in sheet, yeah, which was one cute cute joke. They they go to the woods, right? They take they take the path of peril to to also touch upon um one of uh, the scenes that I also really liked, and I'm sure you like too, is when they're when they're dancing, right? They're dancing outside the thing. Yes, this is a really really interesting scene mm-hmm. throughout the movie because Ian is like livid with Barley at this moment. And it's just Mm -hmm. so fed up with how Barley is not, um, I guess the mature figure that he feels or thinks that he needs in this Mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. But that's all forgiven. Once they realize like their common ground of their love for their dad, he essentially has the party that he wants. They're dancing. They're having a good time. To me, this also reminds me of like, cause I I also have a little sibling. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have two little siblings, but 
Uh, the one thing about in particular is my little sibling, uh, Jesse, who mm-hmm. uh, is much younger than me. She's 12 years younger than me. Um, and I think to me, our relationship, in that relationship, I read much more as the barley type where she's kind of, uh, she's quieter and she's a little more uh, introverted so that I am normally the more of the goofball with her despite being the older one. Yeah. And so I think I think when they're dancing together and he's trying to kind of he's trying to kind of get Ian uh I think like my favorite scene is when like it's like talking about like what is this upper half looks like and then Barley literally like takes on the same dance move and position as their father and like does a little like yeah does a little rodeo thing. Yes. It's very cute and it's like oh I mean once again I think that's that's the movie once again setting it seeds that like oh Barley is still uh exhibiting all these traits we would expect even though, you know, he's he's not his dad, so to say. But he is visually taking the place of his dad. Exactly. Wow. God, this movie's so good. <laughs> ah. <laughs> totally. And it's like, it's, it's the, the traits that Barley can remember from his father, just those feet, though, are the yeah. things that he is exhibiting now, even though, you know, he can't remember much of the upper half, right? Yes. It's an incomplete memory. But it still got some amount of good that transferred through him and made them into who they are today. So we kind of we kind of skip forward a little bit, and you know they kind of get their little uh, time to just kind of like uh, figure out where they're going. They follow mm-hmm. like the little birds and stuff. They hit a dead end at uh, at a bridge, and Bar and at this point in time, Ian is still not confident with his powers. So Barley tries to convince him to use his to use his powers to allow himself to levitate across the other side of the bridge and let it go down. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get another we get another like you know, or I would say the most direct parenting moment that we get between Barley and Ian, where Barley is trying to build Ian to literally build Ian's confidence, knowing that this is scary for both of them. And there's a point, and Ian is wrapped around with a rope, and the rope lets through while Ian's halfway across nothing, a mm-hmm. ditch, mm-hmm. Um, and Barley has to pretend to be confident and okay, and literally let Ian do his thing. Like this is a very tense, like it's shot very well. Um, mm-hmm. Even though you know this isn't the end of the movie, you still feel terrified that something horrible is going to happen to Ian. Totally. Um, so, but like, I feel like what this movie does is that it kind of like breaks out of, I don't know about you, but I've never really entirely felt this way mm-hmm. with Casey. It's never been like, I have to teach him this one, this one like pivotal, really life important lesson mm-hmm. um, on my own. I've never felt that way. Um, I feel like this is definitely more of a connecting moment for parents. <laughs> so yeah. like, seriously, like, like an yeah, actual parent mm-hmm. or like, I think if like you, because you watched this with your family, if like Paul or your mom watched it, they probably felt more for the scene than maybe you did. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. No, I think I mean this is once again kind of getting at the movie, and this I think it does really well. Is that like oh you've once again, you have to let you have to literally let you, let them go right. You have to let them do their own thing. Yeah, and I think in it when it wraps up, it does say like you know oh did you need the rope? No, you didn't. You just had to like you just have to have a little bit of confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, which not only is like just a cute idea, but also it's bringing towards the idea that one, Ian is Ian is more competent than he thinks he is. Yes, uh, and two, that this this air of this air of um, how should you say, 
kind of like parental guidance is all it's just it's just it's just an act almost you know yeah and you don't need it mm-hmm. you don't need the rope there mm-hmm. you can let you can let them go uh and i think that's a really good and i think it's just a really good beat for ian for yeah it's like oh yes you are you just need to trust yourself a little bit more right mm-hmm. yes it's very nice it's wholesome it's very wholesome very mm-hmm. sweet and like ultimately like a parenting lesson for for barley we mm-hmm. don't exactly i'm not sure you could argue that you see like fruition of this um in the climax of the movie mm-hmm. but it's never like directly addressed mm-hmm. as like a character moment for barley barley gets that in the next couple scenes um or next couple beats where uh barley has to sacrifice his treasured uh truck guinevere for them to continue their quest and like in the same thing where it's like oh even though ian did just have this moment Mm -hmm. uh, that's not gonna happen all the time right yeah i guess like you know in in this scene where he he gives up his 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 one thing right this is the this is the big thing he takes pride in he lets it go and he destroys it and he even has he, he even says like oh it's just a van it's just a van yeah, that line, like, that that line kind of stuck with me, you know? He's like, it, but he, like, really dismisses it, kind of hardcore, like, it was just a dumpy van, like, mm-hmm. whatever. And I think, if anything, like, that hurt me mm-hmm. when I watched that, because to some extent it is Barley recognizing his role as a parental figure and what he needs to sacrifice for mm-hmm. his brother. And I guess maybe in some in some sense that does hit home for me i'm sure there yeah. were times where i had to sacrifice things that i wanted to do or things that i had for um my siblings yeah you know and that's yeah. kind of what this is playing out yeah that being the older sibling means you have to kind of give something up right it's yeah. it's having the maturity to to know and also know to like some things just aren't worth your relationship with your brother is a little more important than yeah. uh than material things so to mm-hmm. say i think paul was once not allowed to go to a concert because uh he had to like drive me somewhere i'm pretty sh- and you know kyle wasn't allowed to hang out with his friends all the time because he had to you know he had to stay home to watch paul and me when we were younger so yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's it it sucks to be an older sibling but it's it's what you <laughs> do right <laughs> it's the worst i mm-hmm. hate it um <laughs> but that is the thing is like it is a role that you're ultimately assuming, mm-hmm. right? Um, like we said before, it is an act. And the next scene in the movie really emphasizes that when Barley um, confesses to Ian that he has another memory of his father. I was, I was like, this, this, that last scene was the first time we see Barley kind of... The, the facade and kind of jovialness start to fall, right? Like yeah. he start, he's starting to become a little more... Yeah, he admits that he could have seen his dad for the last time, but he was too afraid to see him uh, in the state he was in. And I know, once again, I've, I have not been this just personally, and this is something that hit a bit different for me, but it was like, oh, not only are you recognizing like your weakness, but you're also like opening up to your brother. And once again, I think this is the movie ebbing and flowing between those relationships between like, even though he has been this uh, loving figure, he's still a kid and he's still, you know, Ian is still his equal in some ways. Do you think you had a moment where I think you you felt comfortable with being vulnerable with your siblings? Yeah, there there have been times where I would I would be vulnerable with my brother Casey, and he would do him knowing me and like imitating me would try to play the goofy one 
to mm-hmm. cheer me up because that's what I would do. So it's yeah. like a reverse of the scene with Ian and Barley earlier where Barley was dancing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like Casey watching me and then going like, well, this this is what he does. It must work for him, right? Yeah. And even if it doesn't, like, even when when he would do that, if it didn't genuinely make me feel better, the knowledge of that, of him seeing that, recognizing that, and trying that, and wanting to empathize with me on that level is something that comforted me. It's like, it's a thought that counts, basically. Yeah. Is the mm-hmm. idea is like, oh, I can see that you're trying and that's enough. Yeah. And what is, what, what is this whole idea of the movie kind of get idea is that you're trying, right? You know, yeah. when, when you're a sibling, you're trying your best to be this thing that you only have a, like a, a faulty image of, but you're trying your best to, to, to uphold to both those, like both of them are trying to uphold to these standards that they were given and, you know, that they, they fall down some ways and then, and, and it works, you know, cause mm-hmm. that's, but that's ultimately that that's the world they live in. And so they, like, they like dodge the rest of the traps and they kind of get out. I guess like, you know, kind of skirting by, like, you know, there's lots of like fun, like D and D nods. Like we have, we have, we have the cube, have all the, the check for traps kind of stuff going. You know, they get to the end of their journey, right? They, this all led here. And where do they end up? The fucking high school. <laughs> so, like, they defy logic and reason, go up this mountain, and then somehow end up back in their hometown. They yeah. they get up through, they, they, they bust through a sewer cap, and they are at the high school. And it's, honestly, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, 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 I thought it was so funny that they ended up back at the same spot. Ian and Barley have a falling out here. Mm-hmm. Ian and Barley have a falling out in front of the school because Ian had like trusted him and he feels like a betrayal of this parental guidance. Once again, it, it, it follows the ultimate parent and coming of age trope of like, you know, my parents don't know everything and they're going to make mistakes. So I'm going to be frustrated with that and their faults. And Ian decides that he just wants to go spend the rest of the time that he has left with the lower half of his dad and Barley like desperately tries like, like any like good parent, like really tries to make it work. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and tries to still find something that they can do. And Barley through his, um, through his knowledge, um, finds the last gem. Yeah. Finds the Phoenix gem, which was in the same spot that he was protecting earlier that he got arrested for. Wink and nod. Hey, if there's uh, Chekhov's gun has to go off some at some point, right? Um, <laughs> Chekhov's so, Phoenix gem. Yeah. Chekhov's Phoenix gem. And then it fully unloads when the curse breaks out and the spirit of a dragon is awoken through the physical walls of the high school. It's got yeah. a cute little dragon face. <laughs> it's got a very love cute it. dragon face. Got those cute little eyebrows, though. <laughs> yeah, the cute, yeah, the yeah, the angry eyebrows. <laughs> I love it. Every the, the just animate the animators had so much fun with this, and it made yeah. me so happy. Meanwhile, Ian's having his realization right that when he goes and he looks at his list about all the things that they've done mm-hmm. and all the things that they kind of built to to get here, when he's sitting next to his his dad's legs, Barley's fulfilled all those things. Mm-hmm. You know, Barley has shared his life. He's shared his life with Barley. Mm-hmm. And he just has not realized it. Mm-hmm. And this scene, this scene hit me. This scene hit me pretty hard because not only did I have that realization that, oh, this movie's heading in the way in which I wanted it to. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm going to eat my own words here. But also, like, it specifically showed them when they were kids and they're kind of like being thing. And the, the specific thing, I know this is such a cliche, but like the specific scene that 
that got me was Barley teaching Ian how to ride a bike. Yeah. And, you know, just, just like a car, the person who taught me how to ride a bike was Kyle. And it's like one of my oh. most vivid memories uh, when I was a kid of when I was like, I think I was in like second grade. Mm-hmm. I remember what the bike looked like. I remember what time of day it was. I remember the way, uh, you know, his hands felt and he was like guiding me on the bars and the same thing. We're right outside my grandparents' house. And it's like one of my most vivid memories of like recognize. And also like when I look back on it, I think of it a lot. I like this is like a traditionally like something, you know, your dad would do with you. But mm-hmm. that is not what's happening. You know, my, I had my brothers here to fulfill that role. Aww. And I look back on that pretty fondly. And mm-hmm. I remember when I saw that, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. You can't hold back the tears anymore now. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I was bawling. I was bawling during this scene. It mm-hmm. was so bad. Mm-hmm. I had, coincidentally, before I had watched this movie, I actually was on the phone with my younger brother mm-hmm. right beforehand. So it was like it was like a one-two punch for me, you know. I'm like, Ooh. oh no! During this flashback sequence, for some reason, it was the scene of like Barley jumping in the pool mm-hmm. with Ian. I don't know why, but that just really hit a note for me. Mm-hmm. It recalled memories of me being with my brothers. It's so emotionally impactful. It's so strong, and this is where like I the movie like like reality breaks for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think. Because I've seen like other reviews of this movie, yeah, and I've listened to other people who talk who've watched this movie, and it just doesn't hit. This doesn't hit as hard for other people. They're just like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, like, but for like you and me, this is a truly emotionally impactful sequence. I think because we have brothers, we're mm-hmm. male, and we have brothers, and because mm-hmm. we come from this um, this non traditional family unit. And we yeah. had these experiences. It's hard for me to be objective, like, you know, quote unquote, I mean, objective's a lie anyway, but it's yeah. hard for me to be objective with this because I do know I have this personal connection to it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I guess, you know, to their credit, maybe, you know, maybe things like this could be seeded earlier. And in any yeah. movie that's kind of dealing with the subversion of of a, of a, of a storyline we're all familiar with, this case being the dad storyline, you know, you ha- how long do you have to uphold the facade of a subversion before you subvert it kind of thing? Yeah, and like maybe people think that that ratio is off, and maybe it is. Maybe maybe when I can maybe when I spend some time away from this movie, I go back and look at it and see like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't as seated as well as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, I you know I still had this emotional reaction to it. Yeah, same. And also like you know, and, also, and I'm also willing to admit too that like uh, like we, we we also completely glossed over the fact that the mom has her whole personal like B storyline of this whole thing. And I love the mom, I think, you know, in ways in which, I uh, you know, no movies above criticism that I do wish, in some ways, like, these movies would also embrace the fact that, like, their mom has also been this super supportive figure in their life. Yeah. Like, you know, even though, like, Barley is fulfilling this male role, like, we definitely don't spend enough time being more appreciative towards the mom for being this loving figure in their life for, like, yeah. forever. Yeah. You know, despite her, you know, losing her partner and, you know, losing all that stuff and having to then be a single mother in charge of two kids. Yes. Uh, which, you know, also, once again, that hits me different. I, you know, or it hits us both. Totally. Like, I know this movie's not above criticism. And if someone were to be like, hey, like, you know, I, I wish that this movie was more appreciative towards moms, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. But nonetheless, this, this scene still hits. <laughs> yeah. At least for me. Yes. Yes, it does. And it, and it's, it's an interesting one. Like, this is also has its own one two punch. So, mm-hmm. Bar, so Ian has this realization, goes back to Barley. 
Mm-hmm. They realize time's running out to see their dad. They got to fight the dragon. Mom comes in to help save the day using her using her videos that she watched her her her, her home so workout good. videos. Love it. <laughs> yes. Mom's so cool. <laughs> the mom was great. The manticore the manticore was so great. Mm-hmm. They're trying their best, and like there's the exchange between. You know, mom's just like, you guys need to see your dad. Like, spend mm-hmm. the time that you can to do this. Mom doesn't have it. Um, <laughs> and then I get that that could be the, to the detriment of the mom narrative, but this really does support uh, a full circle for Ian when Ian makes the ultimate sacrifice of like, you are of recognizing Barley, you were the father that was there for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel fulfilled within that. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to sacrifice my time with dad so you can have time with dad. Yeah. And like specifically get to make amends for the one thing that you didn't get to do before, you know, during the scene where he opens up and, you know, Ian recognizes it. And this is Ian's big beat of maturity of realizing like, oh, and once again, you know, I can't get enough this ebb and flow between them because they're siblings. They're like Ian is the one is like, hey, you, you get, you get to have this because you didn't get this chance. And because I love you and care about you, I'm going to give you this chance to to uh, talk to our dad because you're the one who actually had a relationship with him. Yeah, and it allows, like, it is an emotional maturity to recognize, to, to make the extra step to recognize Barley has been a father figure while mm-hmm. also being a sibling. Let's, I, I want to give him this moment to let him just be a son. Mm-hmm. Not, not to be a father figure for just a minute. Mm-hmm. Totally. And the hardest part, and honestly, one of the most interesting creative decisions of this film, and I love it, is Ian can't even physically be there for that moment or like to mm-hmm. really see it. He has to watch through a hole through the rubble after defeating the monster. It's not his scene, and it's and it can't be seen. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like this is this is an intimate moment for Barley and Barley only. Mm-hmm. And it it would break the audience the audience's empathy to separate from Ian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have to. So we're forced to watch it. We're watching it on a screen through a hole. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And we don't even you know the the father never gets a voice actor. We have no mm-hmm. clue who, what he sounds like or what he looks like. Yeah, what's his magical name? What whimsical William or something like that? I don't. Something. Honestly, doesn't matter because the point is the dad doesn't matter. It's about barley. Yay. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and like it's and he he gives him he, he still gives Ian the hug and it's it's all very sweet and it's just yes Ian like Ian being like recognizing that for once Barley should be a kid during this you know small fraction of a time that Barley probably ever felt like a kid yeah you know during this time this father was actually there um and so I think I guess like to ask you like has there ever been a moment that you think uh Casey did something for you that reminded you that he was or, or Gacy or Danny uh, did something for you that reminded you that you were also like a kid too. Danny is a very empathetic person mm-hmm. to the point that like, you know, when Danny, when Danny sees like babies crying, he will want to like, he'll get kind of sad and like want to comfort those babies, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm sorry. You're feeling this way. Um, they're there kind of <laughs> is, is Danny's mentality. And whenever I'm getting like, angry or frustrated with the responsibilities that I have or just or have a moment of sadness that Danny just happens to be there for he'll try his best to like comfort me that's a really special moment for me whenever that yeah. happens yeah 
Do you, Michael, ever feel like or recall a moment where you ever had to do that for your brothers? I think I think I think my little siblings are still too little to kind of have these moments. And I think for me, this is this is a, this is an element of the plot that I think is really interesting that we haven't got a chance to touch mm-hmm. on too much. But the idea that like Barley is a screw up, right? You know, like, yeah, and I think it's very much how he's characterized. Like he's characterized as like kind of being like a early college, you know, still at home kind of thing. Yeah. You know, he's a screw up kind of thing. Like, and and and. Ian thinks he's a screw up, even though he won't admit it, kind of thing. Yeah. And to me, this this is the most relationship has ever felt very much like my older siblings and me, where you know, because because all me and my older siblings still live at home, it's very easy. And I I've even heard like you know people be critical of the fact that like oh you know like a lot of the, like a lot of young millennials just who still live at home and be critical of that, right? And yeah. you know, nonetheless, that that's not like that's not taking the context of any of our situations or just the way our world is right now especially in our in our current pandemic everyone should be at home <laughs> everyone should be at home and also just how many young adults are living at home for like financial or fiscal reasons but to me it reminds me a lot of as adults where uh Kyle will probably be feeling down about this type of like expectations that are put upon him as he is the oldest and trying my best to be comforting in those moments uh and I don't always know if I am or am not mm-hmm. of trying to be an ear and trying to be a supportive person during those times, but I hope that I am in some shape of capacity. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely not as clean as this, but uh, in trying to maintain that uh, relationship and trying to be that supportive figure, this mm-hmm. very much still felt like a relationship and idea that I was very familiar with. And I think that reveals something interesting about this movie. Like this is very much from a younger brother's perspective mm-hmm. and a deep desire to give relief to that older sibling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though the pressures of our world and because of these quote unquote, atypical family units, the pressures that can be placed on older siblings, it's, mm-hmm. I guess maybe that also is what makes this emotional moment so much more impactful. It's out of mm-hmm. like a desire or a wish out of a war for like a world that isn't as hard as it is. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I-, I will not say this lightly. Uh, it's very much like spider verse where not only is not only is miles a perfect, not only is Peter the perfect mentor for miles, miles is the perfect student for Peter and yes. Barley and Ian are very much that relationship as well. Where yeah. He- they they ebb and flow and it just shows like just how important siblings are you know in this in this in this world where you do where you are lacking a a father figure in this case being brothers you mm-hmm. know the role that the older sibling will take and then like how that will then reflect on the younger sibling who watches it and then grows older at the same speed that the older brother is as well so all in all what's our takeaway here onwards the best pixar movie <sighs> It might <laughs> it, it it might be my my new favorite Pixar movie. I'm not even sure mm-hmm. what my answer was before. Now that I think mm-hmm. about it, but yeah. In, in terms of just kind of giving me, you know, even if it's one of those like I'll, I'll admit, maybe you know, like maybe the iconography of like you know maybe like something like Wally is better, but this just hit me on such a different le- like to such a different level that personally i just love it more yeah i i would say this is probably my new favorite pixar movie it it you know not only for personal reasons as stated in this entire podcast but i just think it i i I do think it's genuinely 
very well produced. Um, we didn't even talk about the amazing animation uh, and attention to detail, even just like Barley's costume. Like I'm still in awe from like the scene where uh, where they use magic to impersonate Officer Colt, which we didn't talk about. Like I thought, <laughs> so like good. the it's such a funny scene, but it's also like the the camera when the camera pans from back to front and you see the magical veil, I think that's mm-hmm. a really impressive animation for an emotional and technical standpoint, despite some of its flaws. Um, we didn't talk about uh, the controversy of portrayal of LGBTQ characters in this movie. Uh, oh, we did touch yeah. upon, yeah, we did touch upon the mother, uh, you know, somewhat lacking of, uh, of, of the mother's narrative, but like all in all, in terms of like still the emotional impact of this movie, yeah, it's definitely my favorite. Yeah, like, you know, all, all, all caveats considered, you know, mm-hmm. we can talk about, you know, our first LGBTQ character, and it's like a background character that's a cop. Gets like five <laughs> lines. <laughs> five, ugh, you know, once again, it's still Pixar. Yeah. yeah and it, that comes with all the problems and different and like bad uh, faith stuff to go along with it. But, you know, you know, here we are. And unfortunately, it hit me in the way it did and forced, I'm forced to like this. In a way in which you know some people are forced to like Stephen King books, <laughs> you know that this this just hits this, this just works for me, even though I'm aware of it's all its flaws. Still, all in all, you know I would recommend it if you have siblings, mm-hmm. uh, if mm-hmm. you come from from a, a non nuclear family, if you just like good movies that happen to be about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, if you like animation, just just go watch it. Just watch it, man. Yeah, it's at least mm-hmm. worth your time. Mm-hmm. What else Definitely. are you doing right now? <laughs> Watching Tiger King. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. We'll save that for the future. Maybe. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Pop the Culture Podcast. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at popthecultureapod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to thank our PR guy, Joseph Tomlin. And I'd like to thank our editor, Michael Ruiz. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry. And the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me on Twitter.com and Instagram at Joke Tomlin. That is J-O-U-K-T-O-M-L-I-N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.